There are a few things that say summer, like a day at the seaside. The excitement of the smells, sounds and vibrant colours found along a British boardwalk is the inspiration behind Kettle Yarn Co.'s first series of patterns, the Boardwalk Collection. Featuring six vibrant designs from Rachel Coopy, Isabel Kramer, Maria Magnusson, Renee Callahan, Rachel C. Brown and Linda Lenkovic, the collection spans summer to autumn with heirloom items you'll love all year. The designs range from accessories to garments, each knit in one of Kettle Yarn Co.'s new vibrant colourways. To find out more, visit www.kettleyarnco.co.uk. Hello, and welcome to Pomcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck, and I'm here, as I am every month, with the fabulous Sophie Scott. Hi, Hi. Sophie. Hi, I'm fabulous. I feel like I've been upgraded. Thank you. <laughs> you are fabulous. You're always fabulous. Thanks, doll. <laughs> what have you been up to? Oh, you know, just working on the new issue. What? <laughs> Which will be released. Uh, well, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, it might already be released, but it is being released in a few weeks' time. I wish we could be speaking from the future and say, like, it's already released, but it was being from the past. We are. We, can't, we haven't got that far ahead in our podcast recording No, we can't time skills. travel yet. Yet. Hello, podcast listeners. Just a quick disclaimer. There's a little bit of background noise that you'll hear in this part of the podcast, um, which is, in fact, Eli making dinner for us. He's not only an excellent producer, he is an excellent chef, but he's a noisy chef. Um, yes, I've been doing a lot of that, but you have been doing jet setting. I've been Euro tripping 2015. Euro tripping. So I was in Berlin. <gasps> I was in... Rotterdam. No. I was in Amsterdam. Whoa. That was like a section of my week. I did all those yeah. in like five days. Mm-hmm. And then I was in Sweden the other weekend. Fab. So that's been my holidays. I've been very much enjoying this that. This could be Rotterdam or anywhere. Liverpool. An earworm that I can't, I couldn't actually talk about that song. We couldn't sing it for the person I was travelling with because I knew if we did, we'd have it in our head for the whole time in Rotterdam. Rotterdam, beautiful place. Never been there. Cycle lanes are excellent. Good. That's my quick summary of... <laughs> How about Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Beautiful. Canals. Loved it. Good. Just... Berlin? Berlin. Rained all the time. Didn't like it as much. Need to go back there and experience more. Very good. And did you happen to manage to fit in a certain knitting shop while you were in Amsterdam? Stephen and Penelope. Uh, yes, I did. In Amsterdam. Seven hours in Amsterdam, but I was like, oh, let's go to the knitting shop. It's very important. It is, yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. Got some nice hedgehog fibres yarn. Nice little souvenir. Um, Excellent. Did like a boat tour, which is good. Wait an hour, cramming as much sightseeing as you can in one little boat trip. Cool. And then uh, sit by a canal, canal drinking a beer before your flight. Sounds delightful. I'm having, I'm having a nice summer holiday. It's yeah, quite good. Are. And then Sweden. Sweden was good. Visiting extended family. And uh, yeah, that was very relaxed. There was knitting time, mm-hmm. watching uh, Frozen in Swedish <laughs> with the kids. Or Frost, as it's known. Oh. So... I had seen it already, so I knew what bits to laugh at, and then ended up singing "Let It Go" in Swedish. So it's not a not a wasted trip, not at all, never. Yep. <laughs> One of the nicest points. So we've been talking a lot about travel knitting. Yeah. And I was travelling from Berlin to Rotterdam, and I was doing my knitting, and listening to Desert Island Discs, as if to like capsulise everything I've ever talked about in this podcast <laughs> with one bit. And I was listening to that on my headphones, travelling on the train, and I was like, oh, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> it's pretty good. 
That does sound. That, that was my lasting memory of one of the holidays. That's pretty good. Love it. Yeah, I haven't been anywhere else. But <laughs> Megan came to London. She did. So Megan, you know, as the other half of the team, the Pom Pom founder team. Yeah. Um. So it was really, really lovely having her here, and we did all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Mainly sorting out photo shoot for the new issue. Can we yes. talk all about the new issue? Uh, we can. Right. So all the previews on Ravelry right now. So yeah, if you guys are. don't know what we're talking about, check it out. Yeah, issue 14. Hot off the press. Soon. Yeah, so how would you describe... <laughs> Being pressed. Being pressed. <laughs> Squeezing all those walls into the paper. Yep. How would you describe this issue? So uh, so this is an autumn issue. Yes. So we've got a lot of... Uh, well, it's the wool issue. Oh, well. Well, wool. wool. Um, so we've um, focused on using woolly wools mm-hmm. as the technical term is. Oh yes. So yarns that are made of wool mm-hmm. and <laughs> where the um, producer of the yarn has a strong connection to the producer of the fleece. Mm. So we're going for kind of small companies that make lovely kind of, um, I guess artisan would be a yeah. good word to the use. Quintessential essence of the fibre. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, that's kind of... We're looking at stuff like, you know, Brooklyn Tweed, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at John Arbor, Bit of Baram U. Bit of Baram U. You know, all that kind of jazz. Good <laughs> jazz. Excellent jazz. Excellent jazz. Excellent jazz. Um, yeah, and we shot the issue uh, in Walthamstow in North London, mm-hmm. and that was delightful. Partly in a pub, partly Pop- in a forest. Exactly. Just like I like to spend my autumns normally. Exactly, yes. <laughs> And we've got a lot of really gorgeous uh, jumpers mm-hmm. in there, ready for the for the weather to change. I mean, it's already kind of changed here in yeah. London. Well, I thought we always talk about the weather, but... but we're was, British. So. There was literally one day of summer, wasn't there? Oh, it was glorious. We had one day, 36 degrees. I'm not a hot, hot house orchid. I don't deal... I was wil- wilting summer English rose. <laughs> <laughs> and but, then um, Yeah, then it's all gone. Um, yeah, so that's obviously big news. Yeah, I haven't really done much in my personal life except for rediscover ping pong and then put it back <laughs> down again. Me and Eli played ping pong and then I remembered why I shouldn't play ping pong. What because, happened? Well, first of all, we started playing and I was like, I haven't done this for years. I couldn't remember which muscles I was supposed to use. It was all very confusing. I was very mal-coordinated. My, my ping assistendus is working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That muscle in your arm. Yeah, so, and then I, I managed to hit the ping-pong ball into a bin. That was good. <laughs> you see, you couldn't do that if you tried. No, I it? know, it's true. But, um, and then I got too excited about it and realised why I don't do things like play ping-pong. Too excited. Alright. Tell uh, you what has got me excited. Oh, yeah? These new patterns from issue 14. <laughs> <laughs> right. Seamless link. Um, what would your fave? What, what do you think people should if they've only got time to check one pound oh, Ravelry, they've got to catch a bus, but... Oh, God, I just... No, you can't one. do this to me. All right. Basically, I've chosen a few favourites from the um, from issue 14, which is just being um, released very soon. I've chosen the two that I will cast on first. Mm-hmm. So they're the two that I'm going to make first. Sure, I understand. Um, so I've gone for Maud, uh, which was designed by Karen Fleischman. Whose name I'm not really sure if I pronounced right. Sorry, ten percent of this podcast is us going. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> so we really should do a little bit. Anyway, it's fine. 
And it's called Maud, named after Maud from Harold and Maud, which is one of my favourite ever films. So that ties in nicely. And it also helps that the jumper itself is really gorgeous. It's um, lovely cable design on the front and back and then kind of texture design on the sleeves. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous funnel neck. And the yarn is the Midwinter Yarns Perkalanka, Mm. which is kind of Scandinavian, lovely wool in the kind of thicker weight. So kind of Aran weight there. Um, a woolly wool, as we have classified it's, uh, already. What, it, what, you, what you call a woolly wool? <laughs> a woolly wool. I was looking for a woolly wool. Do you it's, happen to stock? It's, hello, sir. Is that a woolly wool? <laughs> um, no, so uh, so I've been looking at making one for myself, of course. And obviously I want to make it in mustard yellow. Obviously. Obviously. <sighs> and if you need more mustard yellow, there's actually a jumper in mustard yellow in the... There is in the viola. Uh, mustard, which I knit my um, fair child, fair child in. Well done, good remembering. <laughs> I almost forgot the name of it for a second. Then I've been um, listening to this great podcast though, <laughs> where they talk about woolly wools all the time. Um, but you know, I just need to think seriously about whether or not I need another mustard jumper. Uh, I think yes, I think so too. Megan thinks so too. Well, there we go. Um, She's and then always, the, right. she, she she always knows. And then the other pattern that I will be casting on very soon is the Woodland Tales mittens by Melody Hoffman which is their knit, the originals are knit in New Lanark, which is mm-hmm. a lovely kind of tweedy double knit. Um, and I'm pretty sure I've got a skein of double knit there that will go. do the job nicely. I've got a lovely kind of leafy lace pattern on the back of the nice, hand, nice. nice cuff detail. Oh, they're, oh, they're delightful. Oh. oh, so yeah, go check those out on the interweb. Well, I love the hat Carousalen, I think mm-hmm. you pronounce it like that. It's a Swedish for carousel. Like, Not- like- like yeah. ponies going around. Like you... ponies going around, because yeah, there's little Dala horses. What? A very traditional Swedish element. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot of Sweden going on in my life at the moment. <laughs> uh, and that's using the Brooklyn Tweed Shelter by Erica Smith. I, I like how stocky the horses look. They're kind of like very, like, hmm, sat on the hat. Yeah, yeah, they do. They look quite uh, reliable. Yeah, reliable. <laughs> I like how it's, it's cute without being cutesy, you know? It's got that fine balance where you, it's all right to have a little cute folk horse on your hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Pianissimo by uh, Theon Q N Lam. Yes. What a lovely name. Uh, and that's using the Baram U uh, Dovestone. Which is new. New, brand new. Again, the uh, woolly wool. <laughs> woolly wool. Are people actually understanding what we mean? Like a really hardy, like pure wool? I hope so. I think they get the picture. I if... don't know. People tell us. They're not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a nice kind of classic scarf. For a man or a woman, indeed. Yes, yeah, and the pattern we have uh, in two different gauges. Mm-hmm. So one is slightly drapier, one slightly sturdier. Uh, and it's for got your a pleasure. Lovely, for, for your years. It's got a lovely kind of uh, rhythm to it. There's, and the name Pianissimo mm. kind of indicates what the designer was going for there. But there's kind of ribbing and then kind of... Uh, they are cables, but just like little kind of mm. twisted stitches, really, rather than cables. Kind Perfect of harmony. Oh, music jokes are fun. Um, also, as a nice shout out to the men's pattern we have, mm. male model in the. Mm. Uh, yeah, our first ever male model in in pom pom. It might be you just might want to check out for many reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. We're really excited to finally have. I mean, you know, lots of patterns are unisex mm-hmm. anyway, and it just so happens that we. Open haven't... your mind, man! Isn't everything really unisex? Well, exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows that. But um, yeah, we've never actually photographed. Apart from the tie pattern that we did on the blog, we've never photographed anything on male models, really. Okay. So we're very excited to welcome Owen, our first ever male model, into the mix. And Blazing yeah. the trail. for those Blazing the trail. Go, <laughs> Owen. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, obviously, we'll post links. 
uh, to this on our show notes, but I think uh, as soon as you go to our to the pompommag.com to our website, uh, the first thing you'll see will be beautiful. new issue, yay! beautiful images. And if you're subscribed, it will be in your letterbox soon. I yeah, it'll be coming straight to you, all wrapped in tissue paper, just the way you like it. Yeah. If you have a local yarn shop, uh, check out. You'll be there. And if not, then ask them. Where's the pom-pom quarterly? Where's my pom-pom? There you go. Where's my pom-pom? Exactly that. <laughs> That's what you say when you walk in through the door <laughs> and you don't see it straight away. Where's my pom-pom? So yeah, issue 14. Very exciting. Um, also coming up in September, we've got the Great London Yarn Crawl mm-hmm. on uh, 5th of September. Yes. Clues in the title there. They've been going a couple of years now, so you can get the... Uh, you've probably got the gist if you've been there already. But yeah, several interesting local yarn shops around London. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... Better and bigger than ever with a little pop-up market as well, which pom-pom are going to be at. Yes, we certainly will. So if you're around in London, um, stop by, say hello. Yeah, Tick- you have things. to get tickets, which you can find from the Great London Yarn Crawl website. But we're just just keeping you up to date, guys. Get your calendars uh, booked up. Yeah, yeah. Filled going. up with all the fun stuff. Because we all know how busy and important you all are. Yeah. Just yeah. as busy and important as we are, you know, and you've got to book these things well in advance. Definitely. So, yeah, check that out. Um, and that is maybe all the news we have. End of the news. All right, tell and tell is where we tell you guys and each other what we've been knitting. Uh, what have you been up to? So I'm still working on my Greco. Mm-hmm. It's been going a little slower than I wanted it to. Is that because of the lack of sunshine? Probably. Yeah. It's not as inspiring to knit sunshine things <laughs> when there's not actual sunshine on you while you're knitting them. The um, cotton just becomes a lifeless thing in your hands. <laughs> it wilts like the plant it came from. Oh, no, okay. This is poetry. <sighs> um... So I'm still working on that. I have finished the back. I'm now working on the sleeves. Nice. But Megan is also making it. And she has only started hers quite recently and is catching up with me. Oh, really? So we're kind of racing each other. And I've got a horrible feeling that she's going to finish before me. And I will, of course, be happy for her. But I will also <laughs> not be happy for her. Because <laughs> she will have a Greco and I will not. And the world isn't fair. And this is a really um, a very good illustration of the ways in which the world isn't fair. <laughs> But ultimately, we will both get a Greco. Well, there we go. So that's good. And um, I have started my garland from issue seven oh, nice. yeah. in the Shibui. Um, what kind of colour are you using for that? Uh, like raspberry pink. Gorgeous. Very, very pretty. So that's kind of just going to be a background project, I think, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to, even though it's not exactly summertime here in the kind of super sunny, warm mm. sense, it's not quite a mohair jumper type of time either. So I'm just going to have that kind of ticking away in the background of nice, things. Nice. And of course, I'm planning my projects from the autumn issue. Of we course, already discussed we that. discussed those, yes. So, but how about you? Well, uh, last time I spoke uh, to you, slash people of the listeners. Mm-hmm. Podcasts. <laughs> people of the podcasts, yeah. Um, I was having a lot of errors and bad knitting times. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of the nice things someone wrote on the forum saying, like, oh, I'm glad you guys said that something was going wrong, because I think, yeah, it's very easy to be like, oh, I'm knitting this great thing. But hey, bad knits happen to good people sometimes. Yep. Um, things go a bit smooth. I finished the back of my Susu. Oh, hey. Which is, and the front and the back. Okay, front oh, and back wow. are good. But I had to put it down for a while just to kind of have a bit of space from it to rethink yeah. and then I can yeah. do the sleeves. But yeah, front and back done. Poof. What was I worried about? <laughs> Fika socks. I did the second sock and did the weird toe thing again. I don't know what on earth I did. <laughs> but now I had two weird toes and I was like, oh. And I had a friend who is a very good knitter help me out with that. So not that I'm saying I'm a bad knitter, but I just needed a different pair of eyes 
and she was like sort it out from the heel and then count out from the heel and it's, she sorted me out with her rational and calm manner wonderful i'm glad to so hear that's it. good i feel a bit more uh in the zone with those cool what i have been working on mostly is what i've been doing as my travel missing uh was uh, a knitbot cardigan uh, called Kay's cardigan which is from a collection of yoked mm-hmm. uh which is a collection of yoked jumpers and cardigans mm-hmm. as you can imagine uh using the owl which i think is a possibly a new favorite yarn <sighs> quince and co owl it's, it's uh what we'd call a woolly roll <laughs> But no, so a 50-50 blend of alpaca and wool, but the way it's spun, it's woolen spun, so it's got a little air in it. Yeah. Sort of enhances the natural properties of alpaca. And it's kind of that nice kind of crunchy feel. It almost feels... Do you know what I mean when it feels sort of soapy? You know, yeah. when wool's kind of like... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of got that crunch, but like soapy crunch to it. And once it's blocked, it just kind of gives this amazing halo. Um, choosing the colour Rose Bay, which is like a nice kind of crushed raspberry mm. shade. And... Once I'd got past the, you know, divided for the armholes or what I put those on her, just had straight knitting for like 30 centimetres. So I was like, although it was bigger than what I thought was a travel project, just because it was back and forth knitting, it was perfect just to be like, really in the zone. Yeah. Very zen with my knitting. So I was very happy about that. Now I've got down to the uh, bottom, so I've got just arms to go. (gasps) Fab. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that sounds great. So I feel a lot more positive about that. Oh, good. And yet, to hear it. you can always join in and tell us what you're knitting on the Ravelry forums. Yeah, yeah, come say hi. We want to see the things that you good make. Or, good or bad, and we'll, you know, if it's going wrong, we're there to console. Yeah, and help maybe if we can. Yes. As you might guess from our sponsor message, we are looking at Kettle Yarn Co.'s Boardwalk Collection. Yeah, which is, well, I mean, it was inspired by walking down the pier. Yeah, because uh, Linda, who we interviewed podcast maybe number three or four. Four or something, yeah. Check back in those records and you can hear us talking to Linda. Mm-hmm. She bought us pink lemon, uh, pink lemon, I was going to say it's lemonade, it was alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe we can't remember exactly how clearly it was. <laughs> but it was fun. Um, yeah, and she's now living in Hastings, so it's a nice kind of... Uh, inspiration, her artistic and creative inspiration taken from the place where she's living and dying, dying in the sense of yarn, not yeah. <laughs> some sort of oxymoron of living and dying. <laughs> and I have, um, we used to go on holiday in Hastings when I was oh, yeah. a child, so I have very like strong, pleasant feelings about Hastings. It's a lovely, lovely place, and they do have um, gorgeous kind of like seaside pier mm. and. I don't know, like a fun fair, and there's like a nice kind of promenade yeah. and all those kinds of things. So the designs were all inspired by that kind of British seaside. One of the nice things is that, so there's new uh, colourways which have been sort of done for this uh, collection that Linda have done. So um, a lot of them are quite jewel tones, so mm. like quite bright, yeah. uh, rich colours. So I think that's a nice contract to the faded glory of a seaside town. It's true, and all mm. of them are in um, Islington DK which is the thicker version, the, the double-knit version of the um, the yarn that was actually used in the water lily pattern mm, from indeed. issue eight, which was the lovely um, kind of t-shirt with the lacy yoke that was popular designed summer by... Popular pattern, I've been noticing. Very popular, designed by our very own Megan Fernandez. And what's that um, now? You've got a swatch of the yarn? I do have a swatch, but wait, let's talk about the pattern <laughs> okay, first. Okay, I'm so Then excited. we'll talk about this. Too exciting. I'm so excited. It's all happening So many things once. to tell you guys. <laughs> all the yarn. <laughs> okay. So, what do you like? Tell me your faves. Um, I like Sea Ward by uh, Rachel Coopy. Oh, she's 
Rachel Coopy's an old fave, isn't Another she? Another person we've interviewed. Again, we end up talking about all these people, like, oh, in the small community, tight-knit community. <laughs> if you will. Yeah, nice, uh, simple sort of little beanie kind of hat with a interesting little lace detail on, like, a panel of it. It's not mm-hmm. all over lace. You know, you don't need all over lace sometimes to show no. off a pattern. Just no. like a nice little, yeah, like I said, a panel. Sort of cable-y, lacy panel. Yeah. And it's in an amazing pink. Eye-wateringly pink, I call it. <laughs> Another one is Arcade by uh, Isabel Kramer. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a nice kind of turquoisey jumper, uh, little like lace eyelet detail at the side. Yeah. So you just want your standard classic cosy jumper yeah. for your walk on the beach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the pictures are really gorgeous. They were shot by Juju Vale. She also does photography for She often, you know, she's pretty much our, our go-to awesome photographer lady. And she um, went down to Hastings to shoot it. So all the pictures are... So, you know, those of you who have been unlucky enough to never go to Hastings, you'll be able to get a little flavour of what it's like. On location. On location, yes. Uh, Well, so one of my faves was uh, Rachel Coopy's Seawood hat. Also, Mm, You'd be right to think that. (laughs) I like it very much. And I also am a big fan of Pavilion by Renee Callahan, who is also known as East London Knit, which is a lovely kind of... It's a very big kind of wrap mm-hmm. kind of scarfy wrap um with lovely garter stitch borders and details and kind of crisscrossing eyelet details as well i think that one's really lovely and um the kind of lovely we'll talk about the yarn a little bit more in a moment but the nice stitch definition really kind of comes yeah. through in all of those lovely cables and eyelets and so on so it's quite a kind of like capsule collection isn't it yeah six, six patterns and i feel like a lot of the patterns although they have little details to them and the essence of them it's quite simple kind of good comfort knitting you know you don't mm. have to be like overly complicated or it's not too daunting any of the patterns yeah would you say that's fair i would say that's fair i would say also that it reflects kind of what i feel is linda's style because as in linda who is the dyer behind kettle yarn co she's got she's quite classic isn't she yeah in her style but always classic with a kind of bit of interest and a little bit and there's always something interesting as well to make mm. you know so yes it's like Lots of comfort knitting, but also something, a little something to kind of keep your brain involved. Um, while I you're like my brain things. to be involved when I'm places. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't like my brain to be involved, but for this kind of thing, I guess I'll let it get involved. Um, so, yeah, so you guys should definitely check it out. We'll have um, lots of lovely pictures of all those patterns up on our show notes and, of course, links to her website and to Ravelry. So you can uh, have a look and all the patterns are available individually through the designers. That's good so to know. That's a little bit of useful information for everyone. So tell me about this yarn. You've been doing a little bit of swatching. I have. So I have um, here a little swatch, which is the kind of cable design from the Seawood hat, oh, actually. Oh, hey, yeah. Oh, hey, that's very appropriate. And so this yarn, let's quickly give the stats. Okay, stats. I want stats. hard-hitting facts. I want facts, stat. Okay, <laughs> so what we've got is it's 55% superwash British blue-faced Leicester and 45% silk. Um, and it's a hundred grams gain of double knit. Yes, so you huge. I've got the facts. Yeah, you got the facts. So it's, tell me the feelings, man. So it's it's obviously got um lovely sheen mm-hmm. to it with that amount of silk, <laughs> almost half, almost half silk, and lovely stitch definition mm-hmm. with the ply. Yeah, and it wears very well. According to Linda, I haven't worn this tiny swatch I've made. But <laughs> you Linda wearing it as an apron or something. Or... <laughs> Linda, one of the main things she does on her website for all her yarns is check how wearable they are. Yeah, she has a little like pill rating. Yeah, exactly. So you know, luxury yarns are super great. We all love them, but if they're too, they can sometimes not wear so well. 
Especially if you've got a high silk content, I think that leads itself to possible pilling. But yeah, yeah. with the Blue Face Lester, it's just add a little structure to this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the Blue Face Lester has a special feature. What? what? They only use super sorted 100% British Blue Face Lester, which means that the fibre is picked through at twice the rate that normal wools are. So there's, so it's like extra super nice. Wow. That's was what I take from that. <laughs> How do you rate this? Extra so only nice. <laughs> only the softest BFL is used. For well, you can tell that you can tell I feel exactly. It's, it's kind of nice. It has a like a soft drapiness, but it's not too flimsy. It has that little bit of plushness to give it a bit of structure. Yeah, it does feel. Yeah, I think plushness is a good word for it. it feels quite plump. like plump. Exactly. Plump. Yeah, it's springy because the cables I've done with it are really kind of popping out. Mm-hmm. They're really beautiful. You got the. Is this yeah. blocked? Not yet. Not even blocked, and you can see. And you can yeah. Um, I will block it before I photograph it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's gorgeous. And the colours are amazing as well. And we have two skeins to give away, do we not? Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. So there'll be more on that on the show notes, of course. But if you're listening to this podcast soon after it's released Get and you that. would like to try some of this yarn, which we promise you, you do, because it's really, <laughs> really nice, um, then you should go and check that out. And be in with a chance of winning some so yeah more information on that is uh, www.kettleyarnco.co.uk or you can check all her various Ravelry forums and uh, sites Today we're joined by Melanie Gall, a professional musician and opera singer from New York. Melanie is also a knitter and has combined her passions by researching and recording historical knitting songs from World War One and Two. We caught with her while she was visiting in London. Hi Melanie, thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi. So, we're going to start with our classic questions, which is... When did you learn to knit? What are your earliest memories of knitting? Well, I remember in Girl Guides. They have Girl Guides here, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So in Canada, I guess in this in the United States, they have Girl Scouts. I'm from Canada, so we had Girl Guides, same as you. Mm-hmm. And there was a knitting badge, and they taught everybody to knit at one of the Girl Guide meetings. And I remember being really resentful because I felt that's something a parent should teach their child. And since our mom hadn't taught us yet, I sort of thought, why are you making me learn this thing? No one should have to knit if they don't want to. Needless to say, I did not get my knitting badge. Aww. I probably got in trouble that week, and so. I, but I did. I did learn to knit then, and then I put it down for a long time. And what made you pick it up again? My sister and I had a deal about. Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe fifteen years ago, she, I wanted a hand knit scarf. She wanted a hand knit scarf. We thought we'd knit each other scarves. She got her scarf, and she she reneged on the deal. I didn't, okay. I didn't ever get my scarf, but it was acrylic, and since then, she has given me a lot of knitwear, because she's turned into, she's drank the knitting Kool-Aid. Oh. So, now, it's okay now, I forgive her for that scarf that never was. Do you, is it somewhere still, like, languishing on a pair of needles or something like that? Do you know where it of is? Of course, yeah, yes, yeah. It, yes, it is. I still hope, you know, like, maybe 10, 20 years down the line. It was, I mean, it was acrylic we probably bought uh, from a craft okay. store before, before knitting was cool again. So cool, we're here to talk about why knitting is cool, and uh, yeah, the songs that you do. So you've come from like a musical background, you studied in New York, I think, mm-hmm. and various other places, um, but now um, we're talking to you about your knitting-based songs, which are all from songs from World War One and Two. Yes. How did that start, that interest? 
Well, my sister and I have a knitting podcast, and it took over my life. This is the problem. I do a lot of the editing. I do a lot of I do a lot of the work with it, and it's all volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And so knitting, and, and most of our social life now involves knitting. Yeah, that's not awesome knitting. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, every time we we would travel a lot together, and we would end up at all the knitting stores. Even in Argentina, we had to go to the knitting. But the whole world is, is knitting. My yeah. whole life became knitting, and I thought I can't even deal with this anymore. And so. <laughs> I thought maybe there's some way to integrate music. So I looked at music and knitting and I found one piece of sheet music. It was a knitting song written in 1917 um, by a famous composer, Harry Von Tilzer. He wrote a ton of songs back then and he wrote actually two knitting songs. But I found one of them. And I thought, okay, just like cockroaches, when you see one, you know there's more. <laughs> and there were indeed, I found almost 100 knitting songs since then. Wow. And I realized no one else was singing them and I took them in their mind. And I've, I've researched them, I have performed them all over, I've, I've written a book, there's a book I've just finished about the songs and about the World War culture and the music, so I feel like knitting isn't quite so all-encompassing because it's music, it's okay now, it's alright. I found a way to embrace knitting without actually knitting, because, I don't know. You've got the blend. <laughs> I've got the blend, exactly. <laughs> wow, well that's such a, an interesting like thing to have found and I think we can all be pretty grateful that because of you we get to listen to these songs so that's really awesome thank you and uh, so why do you think those songs are still so important and why do you think they should be sung now that's an interesting question because after the first world war those songs were all lost so Mm -hmm. when the second world war started they didn't reuse the songs the themes were essentially the same they just took out kaiser and put in a new enemy (laughs) right but (laughs) right but i mean the songs themselves were basically the same theme often the same musical themes they would all quote a long way to tipperary that actually interestingly enough quotes itself musically in a lot of the different songs Mm. you think they would reuse them but just like pop music Musical trends changed, and they needed new songs, and new songs kept coming out. So, I guess I'm getting off track. But after each war, the songs were lost. But I feel they're important now, because not only is it a representation of of a moment in time, about how the songs, about how the the knitting experience was seen by knitters, but also how knitters were seen by others. Mm. So some of the songs are government propaganda, encouraging women to knit and giving value to what they were doing. Some of them were written by knitters about their heartfelt the way they missed their husbands, they missed their sons, and this was a way they could fight with their needles. Other, a lot of them were comic songs about about how instead of going to tea, women would go have knitting clubs now and then gossip about each other. And so it really is an interesting slice of how things were and also a sort of nostalgia that was also being produced at the time. Mm-hmm. It was as if they were setting up this wartime nostalgia for us in the future through this music. Yeah, I've, got, I've just got a big tingle of that, actually. Like, I don't know why. There is, like, it's weird that people kind of... I mean, maybe glorify is too strong of a word, but there is this nostalgia that you say that you kind of think of, oh, what a lovely war, kind of, like, people right. sat around knitting. Do you feel there's a truth in that? Well, the songs definitely represent that. Yeah. And the First World War, more than the Second World Wars, is so interesting, because before then there had never been a national drive to knit. Especially... Well, I mean, in, no, in Canada there hadn't. In America there had been during the Civil War a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about Britain. I don't... Yeah. Maybe I, during the Boer War. There, I think there's definitely... There was, I know that, because, like, Kitchener Stitch, that's... But that was First World War, so, Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you know this stuff. <laughs> um, so until... He actually developed it yes, during the yeah, First yeah, World yeah. War. Right. So, but up until then there had never been a national drive to knit. So this is the first time entire countries were united towards the common goal of producing knitting. Yeah, yeah. And so the songs really represent that. Do you have, like, favourite 
themes or like a favorite song within them? I do. Yes. Yeah. Which one is it then? I really love "More Power to Your Knitting, Nell." Because the first, that's a horrible title. It's <laughs> "More Power to Your Knitting, comma Nell!" Exclamation mark. I mean, it's it's you can't write it down without it looking weird. Yeah. The theme at the beginning is the theme to the Muppet Show. When you listen, to, when you listen to the introductory theme, it is note for note from the Muppet Show. And it's it's a charming, charming song, and I've only ever found one copy of that one. It's not one that's kicking around. It's actually in the British Library. It's an American song. Yeah. The only copy was here in London. I came here to get it, but I didn't have my two pieces of ID. You, oh, you need no. two pieces of picture ID uh. to get in. I only had one. And a whole bunch of other ID. Not Passport wasn't good enough to get this knitting song. So I had to send someone who was here on a sabbatical from Toronto... No, from Waterloo, to come in and get this... She sent her husband in to get this knitting song for me. So it was a pretty big coup to actually get the song. <laughs> this is incredible. I love the, like, dedication you've had to this, like, I'm going to run with this and I'm going to find out as much... It's amazing. There were tears outside the library when they wouldn't yeah. let me in. Because I, I came all the way to England to get this song. Oh, wow. But, so close. <laughs> but there was, you know, there are also crumpets, so it's a win-win. Have, yeah. people, have you found people have got in touch with you... Um, talking, you know, finding, oh, here, here, I have a song, or do you find it's still quite a small thing you've tapped into? Two people have. Two, okay. Actually, no, three. One woman, I should thank her. Yeah. Uh, oh, please do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's one woman in the UK who sent me music. Mm. There's one woman in America who sent me two songs just out of the blue, which was wonderful because I was recording the songs that week, and we, we added two songs mm. to the mix all of a sudden that I hadn't known existed. And there's a knitting historian, Karen Ballard, in America, and she collected she she collects knitting paraphernalia from the war, so she actually had the sheet music to a lot of these songs, and so she was very generous. She's not a singer, score for me, and so she was really generous lending lending me the sheet music so I could do this, and really it all started with her. I I found the first song. I started looking it up on the internet. I found her web page. I, then I found her on Rowlery because I thought, how am I going to contact this woman? I mm. thought, maybe she's a crazy knitter. And indeed, <laughs> in a good way, she was. And it was easy to find her. And knitters are generous people. And she was very generous with what she found. That's amazing. So um, my next question is, because I, I studied linguistics and I like to think a lot about how grammar and knitting mm-hmm. um, have comparisons, uh, which may be a stretch, but in my mind it makes a lot of sense. And I was wondering whether you think similarly about music and knitting and whether you see parallels maybe in terms of notation or rhythm or anything like that? That's a really good question. The spinning songs you definitely do. So Mm -hmm. if we're going further back, spinning songs of the late 19th century, you often hear the spinning wheel in the accompaniment, especially the left hand. The song Gretchen am Spinnerade, so the Schubert song, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people know that piece. It it has a spinning wheel going throughout, but that's more classical. But in a lot I can't think of the titles right. Most of them are called Spinning or something about <laughs> Spinning. There was a lot of popular music in both the UK and in North America, spinning songs with, with spinning in it. For knitting, you hear marching themes. You hear a lot of martial themes for the mm-hmm. war songs. But you also hear there, they, you, there's click, click, click. You often hear the needles going click, click, click. And often it will do word painting. So they'll, they'll talk about the needles and you'll hear this little needle sound or they'll talk about dropping a stitch and the music will drop. So they, they do a lot of word painting more than overall themes. Mm. In, except when they steal from, you know, pre-steal from the Muppet Show and then long way to Tipperary. Yeah. 
Oh, and Sister Susie sewing shirts for soldiers is also quoted in a couple of the songs. I've so, heard that one. That's all rings a bell now. All these like names, I can't remember that one. <laughs> but they, they actually quote that in another song. Oh, brilliant. So they really, I guess it's called sampling nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they sample things. So your podcast that you do with your sister, Deborah, mm-hmm. how did that start? Well, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I'd never heard about a podcast before. This was five years ago, back in the dark ages of podcasting. Yep. <laughs> and she said, we should start a podcast. She was living in Argentina, and she had just drank the knitting Kool-Aid, and I was living in New York, and I thought, fine, we'll make one podcast. Sure, let's, let's make a podcast. 24 hours of editing later, <laughs> we had a 20-minute, it was probably a mess, I haven't listened to it, but we put together a podcast, and I said, okay, it's done, we're good, we, we did this, let's, let's, what's our next project? And she said, well, we have to make another episode in, in two weeks now, and it went on from there. And... I think we got in at a good time. Mm-hmm. There weren't a ton of knitting podcasts. There were some, but it was before it went kind of crazy with a million knitting podcasts. And at this point, I mean, we can't stop. This is where I make a lot of professional connections and meet wonderful people. And I've gotten stuck in a car in a blizzard before. And I, you know, I tweeted to our listeners that I'm in a car and I'm bored and hours of amusement, knitting themed. <laughs> still, you know, you know, you take what you can get. I'm going to remember that for next emergency we're in. We can, like, reach out to listeners and see what happens. <laughs> and you get all sorts of time zones, so that this is what's handy, yeah. right? So no matter when you're stuck in an airport or a blizzard, there's someone Fantastic. to save you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so one of the things we have on our podcast mm-hmm. is we have... Um, so you've heard of Desert Island Discs. It's like a radio show in the, in the, for the BBC. Yes. Um, so we have Desert Island Yarn. So you have to imagine yourself, like, cast upon a desert isle. Uh, you're allowed an unlimited amount and all the colours, okay. but is there, like, one yarn or, like, fibre that you choose to be stranded with? One or two? Do I only get one? Well, I... the, it's, we've had some, like, bending of the rules on this. Like, some people have had two, but it, the, the rules are with, one. I'll go with one. All right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you know Anzula yarns. Mm-hmm. I do. That's actually, what I would yeah. take because it's really soft. She, Sabrina, the woman there, mm-hmm. puts some really nice... She'll put cashmere in. I, I'm not as good with fibre names when it's not... You know, wool, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but she puts her. She makes his luxury fibers, and I love the colors because a lot of them are pink, ah. and I do like pink. <laughs> they are good colors. Is there a particular base of hers that you would choose, or a particular are thickness? Th- oh, it would be worsted weight, definitely okay. worsted weight. I, she was generous enough to give me a sweater's worth of this pink, so I don't know the name of it offhand, but it was a beautiful pink that's sort of a like an English rose pink, mm-hmm. you know, nice. sort of dusty yeah. rose. Um, it wasn't. Sorry, if Sabrina's listening, was it called Dust <laughs> But absolutely gorgeous. It's so soft. I've made two hats out of it already. Not a sweater, because that's a lot of knitting. Mm-hmm. But eventually, maybe there'll be a sweater. <laughs> but that, that's also would make a good pillow. And they're large skeins. You can check them at, at animals, too. Kill yeah, them or coconuts. That's good. This is good. This is, like, quite Survival. practical. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, so, as a performer, you seem to travel a lot. And we were wondering, do you always have a knitting project with you, or what are the sort of things you like to knit when you're travelling? Hats. Hats. Hats, because I have one pair of Addy Turbo Needles in a size 8. <laughs> so as long as it's a hat that's with Addy Turbo Needles in a size 8. I mean, my sister has the whole nitpick setup of needles, but, you know, if I take all of her size 6s, she gets grumpy. I think she's completely out right now, because right. I, I went looking for a size 6 for this trip, and... I think I have them all, so I can find them in her in her room, which I didn't go in at all, at all. Amazing! <laughs> <laughs> the evidence has been recorded now. Sorry. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we're roommates, so uh, I mean, I think everything's fair game. Yeah. Yes. 
So usually I make a hat. It usually involves some kind of slouchiness, and it usually involves some kind of cable, but nice. not yeah. crazy cable. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm in Edinburgh for their fringe, and I will definitely be knitting, because how else do you promote a knitting show, right? If I'm walking no. around, I actually made a hat with dolls of yarn and knitting sticks on oh, it. Nice. It's this yeah, giant... Yeah. Not a hat. What do you what do you call that thing? That a fascinator. It's a oh, giant yes. fascinator. Ah. It's going to be embarrassing. So with that and wearing knitting and knitting, I figure that I'm going to I'm going to die single. <laughs> <laughs> At least with a theme. You know? <laughs> yes, I'll die with a theme. <laughs> this is good. With a cool theme as well. So tell us more about the show that's going to be happening in Edinburgh. All right, it's a a bit of a musical overview. It's a concert cabaret, a musical overview of these knitting songs. But a lot of the songs have stories around them, so it talks a little bit about my life, but mostly, and my, my experience with the songs, but most mostly the songs themselves and the historic context surrounding the songs. And it's a little bit naughty, but still family-friendly. <laughs> and it's a, the first time a lot of these songs have been performed in the UK or anywhere. Well, I'll, I'll be touring Canada first mm-hmm. with this show, so it'll be the first time in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's the second show I've written involving these knitting songs, but it's, it's going to be fun. I'm really... There's so many knitters there. I'm excited to meet some of the local knitters. Do you think if people are non-knitters, there's something in it for them? Yes, and that's why it was so hard to write. Ah, because okay. it's easy telling knitting stories and doing knitting jokes, but you can't... You can only make so many jokes about balls and sticks. <laughs> well, you say that. But... <laughs> I know, that's true. But, I mean, that, those jokes appeal to a wider audience. But, so, but when you go to other jokes... People won't get... You, you need to be able to, to resonate with knitters and non-knitters. And I feel it does, especially with this the 100th year anniversary of the First World War. Yeah. So I think that I think that it will get in an audience of knitters and non-knitters. Although people are encouraged to bring their knitting. So the non-knitters might feel a little bereft and their hands will feel empty. If anything, you're going to initiate a new wave of knitters, I think. Well, from this converting. Way, yeah. <laughs> Preach. Yes. <laughs> Well, Edinburgh is such a great place to, to do that as well, because as you said, there's lots and lots of knitters there. I hope so. and yeah, be really exciting. And so are there particular dates that people should try and catch you on? Yes, it's the twelfth to the thirty first, every day at seven PM or nineteen hundred hours at the <laughs> Safari Lounge. It's this they have smoothies. It's a pub with Ooh. smoothies. Wow. So one other question we have for our podcast is okay. what is your spirit animal? Are you familiar with spirit animals? Yes. Good. My spirit animal is a sparrow. Oh, how cute. Okay, why? <laughs> why? Well, I've recently raised a little foundling sparrow, and they're really smart. Yeah. And so I, I think that a sparrow is actually my spirit animal, because they love cake, and, yep, and they can unravel, they can destroy yarn also, yeah. <laughs> and they love music. Oh. By music, I mean screaming from morning to night. Right, okay. Right, but, but still. I think you yeah. were singing to it, and it was singing back like a Snow White kind of thing. Well, I, I, I sing to it, and it screams for food. Yes. So this, yes, is, this yeah. is how our relationship works, the sparrow and I. But, yeah, I think I think definitely a sparrow. Oh, lovely. Are you going to have to, like, let the sparrow go, or is it, like, living with you now? It's, in theory, going to be fostered to release, but there's no way. This is my sparrow. She's oh, wow. mine. Or he's, it turns out it's a he. He's okay. mine. Um, Does he have a name? His name is Colette. Okay, um, a beautiful name. <laughs> yes, we just recently learned that she was a he. Yeah. Um, he's going on tour in Canada this summer with me, so the theme of dying alone. So it'll be, I'll, I'll be that knitting girl with a sparrow. <laughs> you could ha- you need to train the sparrow so that he like sits in the fascinator as well. Oh, that's a good idea. How good would that be? <laughs> if I put food up, if I put cake in the fascinator. There we go. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, in terms of any other future plans after Edinburgh, is there anything people should keep an eye on in terms of your projects? 
Well, I have it for two CDs out. I have First World War and Second World War. The next CD will be 19th century knitting Ooh. songs, mm -hmm. and then I'm hoping to do knitting songs from around the world. And then there's a whole pile of First World War songs that didn't make it on the first CD. So there will eventually... I would like to, I would like to record them all. Yeah. So there will at some point be more CDs coming. Fab. And where can people find you on the internet? I'm knittingsongs.com. Keep it simple. Yeah. Also, the CD's on Amazon. It's all over. And I'm hoping yarn stores will care. If you own a yarn store, you can carry my CD. But it's, I'm on the internet. I'm the only one who... Crazy knitting music girl. I'm sure I'd come up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. I wonder who's knitting for me tonight. I wonder just who she can be. Oh, I wonder if she's tall. I wonder if she's small. I love her, I love her, but for her I would fall. It's comforting you must admit. Who knows that she's doing her bit? Knit, knit, knit. The girls are knitting. But I wonder who's knitting for me. Why is there so much so thanks again to Melanie. She was wonderful. I think we can all agree. Very funny. She was a lovely person to meet. Yeah. Super funny. Yeah. And we had a really nice time hanging out with her. Um, and you can catch her show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's called Stitch in Time. And it is running August 12th to 17th, then 19th to 24th, and then 26th to 31st. Mm -hmm. We'll put those dates up online. So if you happen to be at the Fringe Festival, which I wish I was going to be, yeah. which sounds awesome, or you live in Edinburgh anyway, and you're interested in uh, in seeing her knitting-related show... It does sound a hoot. It does sound brilliant. So yeah, definitely check that out, and we'll post links to her website and so on on yeah. our show notes. Also, yeah, check out her podcast, Savvy Girls. Yes. Because she actually interviewed us at the end of the podcast. She did interview us. And also, of course, her songs, the knitting yeah, songs. definitely. You can get those online. So thanks again, Melanie. Thanks. All right, moving on. We've got Ravelry Realness. Um, we browse Ravelry, so you guys don't have to. You may remember, if you were listening to the last podcast, uh, I started talking about how I fell down the uh, endless... Well, what seems to be an endless supply of tiny, cute knitting thing patterns. Tiny, cute things. Um, so that's what we've been looking at. <laughs> Do you ever feel the need to knit tiny cute things? I have felt, felt the need once or twice, yes. Yes. And Do you uh, indulge that urge? I have <laughs> indulged, again, only once or twice. I think um, I... Yeah, no, I don't indulge the need as much as I uh, ponder it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the philosophy of knitting a tiny cute thing, it's not as useful, shall we say, as maybe a warm hat or mittens or no all these things I could list no but maybe it is an end in itself it's a process I suppose if you're a process knitter and as often I feel with like knitting tiny fiddly sometimes fiddly things is that there'll be really clever techniques within that like you might learn an i-cord or a new technique for you know eradicating seaming mm. so I think there's a thing to be said with that with process yes definitely I actually learnt to knit so Jean Greenhow who's like mm. a very kind of classic uh, kids toy uh, designer mm -hmm. I learned to knit from hers I think they're much bigger in like the 80s and stuff like that which is probably because I got them from my grandma's books mm -hmm. um, and I learned to knit from making those and I think it's actually quite a good way to learn knitting because I learned a lot of techniques but with a really small project so I learned a lot about shaping and like seaming and just made weird duck creatures <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can find one. 
for your enjoyment. Um, but yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's a good small space to kind of practice things on. And it doesn't have to fit anybody. So if things do there go, we go. a bit wrong. If you have made a weird shaped stuffed toy duck thing, you're all right. Yeah, I'm right. happy. And, and the main time that I did indulge my need to make tiny cute things was when I made a bunny nugget. This is a seamless link, thank you. So that's more about that. <laughs> I did make a bunny nugget, uh, which uh, let's be clear about this. So it's a, it's a, a very small. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Yeah, it's a very small. Um, it's like a little kind of square with ears, basically. It's got little eyes. Bunny in the loosest of terms. Yeah, and it's really really cute. It's designed by Rebecca Danger, who is known for her awesome toy designs. Yeah. Actually, she does a lot of those, and she has a few other really cute tiny ones. But bunny nugget is my favourite. And I made a bunny nugget for my sister as a tiny graduation present. Well, who wouldn't want that? Well, exactly. She has it on her shelf, I think. There we go. And that's what tiny cute things do. They brighten up a place. Exactly. So when you look up tiny things on Ravelry, one of the most prolific designers of tiny things is the designer behind Mochi Mochi Land, whose name is Anna Hrachevec. I think. I'm sorry, Anna, if I'm... Um, I think that's a good pronunciation because it has a, It starts with a H, then an R, and I wasn't quite sure about how to pronounce that. Yeah, so. I could be doing it wrong, but that's that's how I'm going to... I'm going to stick with that for now, but Mochi Mochi... Mochi Mochi. Oh, so many so tiny cute, cute things. So the tiny things that I liked the best were uh, <laughs> the sheep, yes. the pirate, yes. the unicorn, yes. the rose, yes. the snails and slug, <laughs> the pumpkin... And I like the fact that there was a tiny fantasy patterns collection, which I'm assuming the unicorn is part of, and there's a tiny pets collection. So you can make tiny pets. When you said your favourite, I thought you were going to like list two, but I think you just, that was at least like a fifth of what she has on there. No, 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 there's so many. There's so it's many like more. Pages and pages. Um, I also, I'm a big fan of Ninja Bun. <laughs> What's Ninja Bun? Ninja Bun is a tiny bunny, and it's, <laughs> it comes with a pattern for like a garden. And tiny carrots and a bunny that's ears stick out like little carrot, like the kind of planty frondy bit yes, of a carrot. Yeah. So it's like a little carrot shaped bunny and it's called Ninja Bun for some reason, I guess because it's like stealthy because it hides with the carrots. That's so good. Oh, I was going to say, this, like, I chose one from her exhaustible collection of tiny, <laughs> which was a tiny alpaca, which just yes. did it for me because it's like oh, very messy making a tiny alpaca if you made it out of alpaca <gasps> wool. That's pretty cool. So yeah, she she all like she's an inexhaustible yeah. supply of uh, tiny knitting pants. Tiny cute things, yeah, exactly. So like another it. thing, do you know what a blobfish is? I have seen a picture of a blobfish. So I found it unpleasant. Yeah, you know how ugly these are. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was a couple of years ago they were actually brought to sort of more to uh, not popularity, but within the public eye because, because of the internet. Probably? Because of the internet, because they are hideous. It's a actually endangered creature from yeah. New Zealand and Australia. And it does look like a, a pile of purple slime, of a pinky slime. Mm. Really ugly. Uh, Google those now and enjoy that while you're listening <laughs> to the podcast. But um, while I was doing this, so someone said like, oh, do you know the, the you know, I was looking at cute things uh, on Ravelry, basically. I'm like, oh, do you know the blobfish pattern? I was like, what? And the joy that I felt when I found this blobfish passion, pattern on Ravelry, it just made me uh, very entertained. Anyway, so if you typed in blobfish to search for patterns, it would come up. But it's the Aragumi uh, blobfish by Tiffany Wilson. But then also, because that's like a cute stylized version, there's then, if that's not realistic enough, there's the realistic blob blobfish Aragumi by Erica McBride. You have two versions <laughs> to enjoy of this hideous creature. You can make both and make them fight each other. So it's, I can't... That's what yeah, I would do. first Google blobfish. Get acquainted with that. Then... Look at these patterns. 
Okay, so that's all the Ravelry realness we have for you today. Yeah, because Ravelry is what? Fundamental. researched and hotly debated uh, section where Lydia and I discuss our favourites, uh, top threes if you will, of a certain theme. Uh, you guys often contribute to this on our Ravelry forums and uh, yeah, I think this was a suggestion from someone. Top albums! Yeah, which I found terrifying. Yeah, same here, but at the same <laughs> time I was thinking like, it's just for a podcast. It's okay, it's, it's not <laughs> Desert Island Discs. It's not, no one's going to come and say like, okay, well, we're just deleting some things on your iPod to make sure <laughs> that you really meant what you said. Yeah, on the way home, I'll be like, hang on a second. <laughs> Where's all my music gone? I've only got these three. But you know what? I did do it on the basis of which three albums would I want to listen to for the rest of my life. And I had to be whole albums. Yes. I mean, because do you still listen to albums? We're going to into a music debate now. Do you still listen to albums? Or... Not that often. No, neither do I. But... These, I, th I think um, it'll be quite telling because these are all albums, that, uh, these are all artists and albums that I have been a big fan of for a long time since I was a teenager and mm. still bought CDs and listened to the whole Yeah, I feel mine are a bit teenager-y, but uh, hey, ain't no one wrong with that. No, that's fine. That's cool. So one of the nice things about this, I always like hearing people's suggestions afterwards saying like, oh man, I can't believe you missed off, like... XYZ or yeah which yeah. isn't an album but if it was, no, <laughs> it probably is no X and Y is an album anyway anyway but anyway okay so top three albums I feel like you should go first oh okay well this is just a general three like putting out there as a clump of things I'm not no, rating you these have two. to rank them oh, God. that's the point of a top three all right, oh, right. Oh, God. bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> where have you been <laughs> all right number three just saying this because I listened to it a lot as a teenager and it literally I felt it was just a year of listening to this because every time my friend I'd see them at work on Saturday and they'd say like oh were you listening to rec recently because we were cool and that's the kind of thing we talk about and I'd be like still listening to this album still my fave uh, it's a band called the Guillemots and their first album Through the Window Pane I have never listened to that album. Well, there you go. I, feel I wasn't. I wasn't deliberately trying to be obscure. Like, oh yes, it's original pressing. I don't think. You can, <laughs> I think there was a, a record shop in Berlin that sold it, but it's burnt down now. <laughs> Nothing like that. Um, yeah, they're just kind of a fun, kind of jumbly band. Uh, through the window pane, I think one of the best ways to describe it, it's a very eclectic, kind of Englishy, kind of whimsical, but poppy, kind of indie mm -hmm. vibe. I guess. I like it. I'll yeah. look it up. It's kind of like if you went to, I don't know, it feels very like, yeah, I suppose English. I don't know why I'd explain it like that. And it's kind of like if you went to a jumble sale and then you ended up like going to the beach afterwards, but then there was a trumpet playing in the background. I don't know. I don't, this is me. Just this the, all sounds really fun. Just the vibe of this album. But then it has a slight kind of melancholy kind of wistfulness, like you're alone on the beach and it's started into rain. Cool. So I'm not gonna. That's how I'm gonna describe. It. I'm gonna leave that it. there and just say it's a good album. Hey, I think we should move into a career <laughs> in music journalism. Just putting that out there. Next. All right. Next. I did spend a lot of time, too much time, reading my youth, reading Enemy. So it's going free. Did you know the Enemy's going no free? No way. Scene? Anyway, back to the. Oh my god! I'm changing my uh, <laughs> reading habits. Um, number two would be the XX and their album XX. This reminds me of being at uni. Uh, mm -hmm. The XX are. 
a very melancholic band. If you want to feel also British, yes. Also British. Uh, if you want to feel kind of quiet and wear all the black, uh, but with amazing kind of synthy background guitar. Not synthy, maybe, but the the guy who does the mixing for them, the producing Jamie XX has released an album just recently, and he's a lot more kind of dancey. Mm -hmm. But the XX, if you want to dance very quietly, shuffling <laughs> while feeling soulful. Yeah. With a pint of beer. I feel that's the vibe I get from the... Cool, man. They're kind of like silver-tinged darkness. Love it. I didn't even think Paul thought... I'm just saying all these weird things this now. Great. <laughs> it's so exciting. It's like yeah. a little window into your mind. I did actually see... When I saw the XX, it was quite a while. It was after I finished uni and we went to Glastonbury and I was like... Maybe a year or two after I'd finished. And XX were playing at the very end on Sunday and I felt like I'd been waiting the whole like festival to see them and then I saw them and I cried because I was so happy. Aww, but I was wearing nice. these really ridiculous heart-shaped sunglasses because I was at Glastonbury and I was crying behind the sunglasses. So maybe that's actually the representation of what the XX sound like. Nice. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> crying behind heart-shaped sunglasses. I didn't, re I didn't realise I was so emotional. <laughs> Alright, number one. The Smiths. Hat full of hollow. Oh, I didn't know which one you were going to go for. I knew the top would be a Smiths album, but I couldn't decide which one you'd go for. We all know it was... We it was going to be Hat Full of Hollow or The Queen Is Dead. How did you know? Because they're the two best ones. Oh, right. So <laughs> we don't need to go into a huge debate of why The Smiths and why we love them. No, we don't. One person I work with, every time I play The Smiths, they don't enjoy it. So not everyone enjoys The Smiths, so we won't do a huge thing about that. I think there are a large amount of people who don't enjoy The Smiths. We just don't socialise with them. Who are they? Like, why? What is wrong with them? Classics. You've got this charming man. Classic. Oh, Love God. It. Maybe possibly one of my best so favourite songs ever. Yes. I don't know. If you don't know The Smiths, maybe that's a good entry. See, I had real trouble. So underneath, I have um, some typed up notes. It might sound like we don't do any uh, preparation for this podcast, but I promise you we, we do. do. We do try. We try. We, do, we try really hard. We try, even this bit was like scripted to say this. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a list here where I wrote top three albums, exclamation mark. And then underneath is just like loads of album names that I had to choose from. I found this really difficult. Not you like you, Sophie. You found it really easy. <laughs> Why do you think it was so hard then? That's a good question. Ooh, deep. Okay. I think because albums tend to have mostly one type of feeling. Mm. So although there might be some variation within it, it's going to be like one kind of mood overall. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of choosing three moods. That's, yeah. And the majority of the music I listen to is very melancholic. Yeah, same with mine, it would have been. So, like, <laughs> but then I have a few bands that I really like who are a lot more like dancey mm. or kind of poppy. Like I'm a, anybody who knows me at all knows I'm a huge fan of like pop music in general and Ooh, spend yes. a lot of time listening to like Rihanna and so on. You love the cheesy pop. I love the cheesy pop. I wouldn't even don't call it cheesy. Oh, what the hell, man? I was thinking of Call Me Maybe that you listen oh, to I love on repeat Maybe. for oh, my God. at least a year. Yeah. So, you know, but those aren't albums mm. but I love those moods so I found it really hard because I couldn't find an album that represented to me the like upbeat Lydia okay because all my favorite favorite favorites are quite downbeat mm. or introspective yes. should we say not that I'm saying that pop music can't be introspective because I think it can I think TLC showed us that yes anyway <laughs> back back to the um main point so at number three for a whole album Emmylou Harris Wrecking Ball. Okay. Which, um, so Emmylou Harris, for anybody who doesn't know, is a country music singer and she has an amazing voice. She is one of my heroes. She's incredible. Um, and Wrecking Ball is quite an unusual album. It's 
quite a departure from all of her previous work. It was made in like, I think in the late 90s or early 90s. It was in the 90s, basically. And she had been on the country music scene from, you know, the 70s or even before then, possibly. Um, and it was made with, um, I think he's Canadian, Daniel Lenoir. And they worked together to make this album. And it's quite unusual. It sounds very different from all of her previous work. And I think it's just like a real standout album. It's a really beautiful album. There's a few covers in there because it's country music. It's always going to be sweet covers. Um, and I actually saw her perform the album live last year mm -hmm. with my brother. And it was incredible. I love it so much. So in terms of, you know, there being almost every single song on that album, I really, really love. Mm -hmm. Anyway, number two is Horses by Patti Smith. Excellent choice. Who yeah. is also one of my all-time heroes. Um, I don't think anyone's going to not know who Patti Smith is. No. But Horses was her first album. And Do you also... Because you like horses. I sense. like horses a lot. <laughs> I like horses and I like Patti Smith. And therefore... It's no brainer. I think it was the first record that I bought on vinyl. Mm -hmm. um, and I still have that when I got my eBay addiction at around the age of 16. <laughs> bought everything um spent all my pocket money and it's just got so much energy behind it and i'm yeah. a, i'm a real lyrics person i really like you know dancing music and music that doesn't have words in it as well but when it really comes down to it i want stories i want poetry i want i want poetry set symbolism to music. yeah yes i want symbolism i want interesting rhyming mm -hmm. i want you know i want the words to make me to describe a thing that I felt but don't know how to describe myself and I want the music to go along with it and I want there to be like a chorus and a kick-ass woman to do it to, all and a kick-ass woman to do it that's ideal <laughs> and everybody knows that Patti Smith is pretty much the most kick-ass woman ever she almost made it to number one but she couldn't make it to number one mainly because my all-time favorite musician He's not really a musician. My all-time favourite singer-songwriter type of all time is, of course, Leonard Cohen. No, okay, I knew that was coming. I was just waiting, like, uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> so again, anybody who's ever met me knows <laughs> what is that this podcast, I guess? is that I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan, basically, and he is the epitome of somebody who sets poetry oh, yeah. to music because he's a poet, really, not a, not a musician, which is why I kind of backtracked on that. He's a poet who writes songs rather than a songwriter who writes poetry it's, so deep. it's very important that it's set that right anyway <laughs> i found it really difficult to even choose one of the albums i've gone for songs of leonard cohen because that's the one with like the classics on it like suzanne yeah stuff like that um but really it could have been any of his five first albums would be absolutely fine yeah so that's my top three wonderful well thanks for listening as always <laughs> yeah thanks everyone for listening and for suggesting things for our top three because we would have run out of ideas ages ago you can keep in touch on our ravelry forums uh on the pom pom quarterly group uh well, you'll see us there saying hello and uh joining in with the conversation if you enjoyed this podcast uh you can rate it you can subscribe to it uh, you can tell all your friends, like, hey, you're listening to this cool podcast, it talks about knitting. Not enough people are talking about knitting these days. Yeah. And albums that they like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a sort of special combination, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, we'd like that. We would. And also, if you uh, check out the Knit Alongs in the Pom Pom Quarterly group on Ravelry. Also, if you knit things from the magazine, you can enter them into the Knit Along to win cool stuff yeah any and that can be any project any we're starting project. like the new one technically it's the knit along for the autumn 2015 but you can enter any project as long as it hasn't been entered into a knit along already it can be yeah. from any of the issues or from the blog or from the blog freebie patterns on there hey yeah uh, so. so yeah we'll see you online and then also see you next podcast bye
Love you. Bye. Bye. Podcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott. Lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Big thanks to Megan, the co-founder and editor of Pom Pom, and to our interviewee, Melanie Gall. Also, lots of thanks to Melanie for letting us use her recording of I Wonder Who's Knitting For Me. Thanks again to Kettle Yanko for sponsoring this podcast. And of course, we would like to say a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers and listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompomag.com. And don't forget to join our thread on the Pom Pom Ravelry group. 